Our Art Therapy Life. I'm Jen Saniak, a Canadian art therapist, the founder of Belly Eye Art Therapy. And I'm Catherine Rogers. I'm the founder of Cutout Collage, a collage artist and an art therapist. And so in light of everything that has come forward in Canada in terms and in news with the residential schools, Catherine and I found or feel that it's really important for us to do a land acknowledgement since I'm here on Canadian soil and then also do a moment of silence to honor the children that have been found, honor the children that have not been found and honor the friends and family that are mourning this huge loss. In the spirit of respect, reciprocity and truth, I acknowledge with respect the people of Treaty 7 region in Southern Alberta on whose land I live and work. This includes the territories of Blackfoot Confederacy, Siksika, the Kainai, the Bakani, the Satina, and the Laix Stony Nakoda Nations, the Metis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, and all people who make their homes in this Treaty 7 region of Alberta. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for leading that. So important. It's so, yeah, it's so good that you always really bring awareness to those things. Such a sort of part of art therapy, I think, is having a social conscience and an awareness of the world. So I appreciate that. I don't know. Maybe we could talk about this too, but like kind of what mm. um, lens you practice through. Cause I practice through a feministic approach, mm. which is very much like alongside the client, you know, being there with them, being an ally with them for these mm. bigger things that are going on and acknowledging it, but also looking at ways that you can be a part of change and how to fix the problem to be better moving forward. Do you even realize how amazing you are? <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. I think, well, our topic this week, so we're heading into topics now, now that we've introduced yeah. ourselves, which I love. Yeah. So what is art therapy? The hugest, well, to us, the most huge question ever slash sort of the simplest in some ways as well. It's What is art therapy? I love mm-hmm. that we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. So, do you want to head out with a bit of a definition or a starting point that you think's helpful for you maybe in a simple way that people can have it as a snapshot and then we can just expand (laughs) as much as we want for 50 minutes (laughs) (laughs) what I was totally thinking when you were saying that was like elevator speech go (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) that's something if you're not in the art therapy world that is something that I know like my professors hammered down hard in every single class it was like elevator speech go because you have to advocate so much for this field because we're still up and coming and new and all that kind of stuff so I can give my elevator speech that would be amazing I feel like <laughs> it's dangerous going second because you might nail it but mm. also I'm, I'm I'm here for it I'm ready go yeah um art th- when words are not enough we make art. Art therapy is a mental health modality that we use in a clinical setting alongside a professional art therapist to make art. Anyone can use it. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're living in the world. Art is the universal language. No experience necessary. Period. (laughs) I won't actually drop the mic because it's expensive, but (laughs) let's, (laughs) let's leave. That's it. That's the podcast. You're welcome, guys. That's our therapy. <laughs> no, you, that's beautiful. You, I feel like you've practiced refining that so nicely because when I try and do that, it's so <laughs> I did like a, I did a video a while ago actually here in the studios here and just trying to capture some of that. I think, mm-hmm. but I think you say it better. That's such a good, when no, words I, are not enough, oh, we make yeah. it so good. What's yours? I would love to know yours. Cause I mean, I'm always looking for ways to refine mine too. So I always like to ask other therapists what theirs is. I quite often start by kind of, cause most people understand what verbal therapy is to yes. some degree. Cause they've seen it in TV shows or they know someone that's had it, or it's kind of a more understood sort of work way of working. Right. Totally. So I often say, you know, imagine if you're in a verbal art therapy session, we are 
facilitators, practitioners that also use art materials. And that's kind of the primary mode of expression in traditional art therapy spaces. So one-to-one groups. I actually wrote some extras out because I always forget. For me, in it might differ a bit and we can unpack this a bit around the mm-hmm. world. So in terms of BAT, which is the British Association of Art Therapists, for those of you who haven't heard, and if you train in this country, you will have, um, they say it's a form of psychotherapy that uses art media as its primary mode of expression and communication, which I really like. They also specify that it's not a diagnostic tool. So I've had to more times than I've realised all that I expected. I've had to explain that we don't look at someone's art and then make a diagnosis about them looking at it. So we don't oh, interpret the art. People always so ask me, like, so oh, so key. you can like tell me what's wrong with me from this picture? No, that no, is not. No, it's absolutely not. We are. I've been called an art psychiatrist, an art psychologist. Like people are trying <laughs> to put it into a box of something they already understand. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's trying to help people see that actually, it's, it, we're going to unpack this a bit later. Kind of the types, so we can talk a bit about mm-hmm. how we both have trained and practiced, but. Yeah. Kind of at its most basic, it you know, it's with children, it's with adults, young people, elderly, all people from all walks of life, mm-hmm. um, using art in the space for you to kind of go through and, and explore what's going on for you at this time. Or Absolutely. Just to kind of make it as bite-sized as possible, even though yeah. I just spoke for like 10 minutes, but yeah. <laughs> it feels like that sort of how to that's how I distill it a lot of the time so that people can actually take it at face value and go oh okay that makes some sense yes and ask follow-up questions if they want or just be like oh okay that's nice moving on if they want to as well totally Mm. so funny so this is probably maybe like TMI but I was getting Mm. a wax done the other day and like (laughs) as this was happening you know how you're like making conversation you're like this is so awkward you see me naked (laughs) and she's like tell me about our therapy and I'm like sure now's a great time to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) whilst I'm vulnerable I mean it's a vulnerable space with clothes on but still (laughs) it's so funny I was like is this a metaphor (laughs) (laughs) but it was exactly that like I found myself Mm. being like okay so you know what counseling is Okay. So in a counseling session, we use art as the primary language. And it was like, I find that that's when that light bulb goes on. So I think that's the perfect way of explaining that. Like people are trying to find these containers to make sense of it for what they already know. And then it feels a bit safer for them to be like, Ooh, I think I would like that because it's in something that I know, but I also like making art. Mm. Or like, I often say, depending on who you're talking to, sometimes people ask follow-up questions, you know, like you say, no experience necessary. The first thing people kind of counter with is, well, I'm bad at art. And it's like, well, that's actually not a problem. We're not looking Mm -hmm. for skill and for an end product. It's about the process. So helping people see that like, if you're in verbal therapy, you're not trying to rehearse a speech or perfectly understand in, in an amazing linguistic format how you feel. Yeah. You're just yeah. processing emotions by talking through them. So we're processing emotions by making through them. Um, and then if you want to talk that. alongside that, you can. So some people think that they it's suddenly going to be this silent space too. It's not. It's, you know, a lot of people will start talking as they think, oh my gosh, I've just seen this or I've realized this or I want to talk about that a bit more. Mm. I don't know why I made those weird circles or whatever. Um, and then we just kind of, I guess... I have found myself just sometimes reflecting things, but never sort of overly leading or directing or, um, or trying to say to someone, you know, I'm looking at this art. I can tell this about you because everything, if we did that, it would, it's our own stuff that we would be seeing it. We're not the experts of the client's experience. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's a, I find myself the, the more I practice and have done different kinds of art therapy jobs, the more I'm having to explain that to people that, they're the expert of their own experience and totally whether you're telling me or making a picture about it you know you lead the way and I'll accompany yeah yeah and I think like my biggest fear of like telling people Mm. one it creates kind of like this god complex like Mm. I'm the savior of that but then also it could potentially lead to codependency and like setting your client up to be super codependent on only your sessions and not being Mm. resourceful for their own tools oh totally it's a minefield. And I just thought, <laughs> I just least, thought yeah. now, um, 
Because, you know, some some therapists have the internal clock and they're really good at it. Yeah, yeah. I do not. So, Jacob, please, I'm going to have a little clock on the screen. <laughs> I just realized that we are going to go so quickly into an art therapy rabbit hole that I'm, yeah, some people have that beautiful ability. That's okay. How long have we been going for already? That's okay. We'll go from where we're up to. Sorry, I've disrupted the whole thing. That's fine. about 10 minutes we've been going for already. Oh, cool. So just put like 45 minutes on the clock or something. And I'll try and be under yeah. that, obviously. But. Well, just yeah. so like we don't go on a ramble because we do that and we'll, yes. it'll be like three hours later and we're like, yeah. oh. <laughs> and then no, follow up with like text and voice notes. <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm not. So some art therapists can just be the space totally themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when make, this is actually maybe a good segue. So we'll keep all the junk of me being disorganized in because when I'm making art, especially... And when, even when you're witnessing someone in a session making art, the time is like that. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, like literally even just now I looked down and I was like, okay, potentially we've been here for 20 minutes and I Mm. feel like we just Mm. dipped our toes into this topic. Totally. Yeah. So kind of, yeah. So what kind of, what is your, yeah, your approach? You kind of started talking about it a bit. Yeah. But tell me more. I'm fascinated because I actually don't know so much about that style. Okay. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out where to start. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the beginning so, but where is the beginning <laughs> I know right so for me I think it's really important to talk about what I talk about in terms of like my business and kind of like the overarching theme that I really like to run by and it's that art therapy isn't just papers pens crayons materials for me it's everything that's also in between so whether that's like the body language of a client those like short little pauses but also like in our own personal lives so like for me i believe that there's art in all parts of our lives so art therapy is also ugly singing in the shower when you go out down the street and you end up having a random conversation with a stranger or you know you're having that perfect cup of coffee at like the perfect moment with like the perfect setting or like it's raining, whatever it is for me, like all those in-between pieces are also art therapy. So it can just be super accessible to everyone. And it's not this gatekeeping thing that we have that people feel like they're outside of it, but actually we're all kind of living an art therapy life in a way. I love that. Like creative finding this creativity and artistic expression and language in, in so much stuff. In all ways. I like that. Yeah. When you're cooking, like in all ways, like if you, I truly believe if you slow down enough Mm. and you feel your way through everything that you're doing, sure. It's mindfulness. Like you can call it mindfulness, Mm. but like for me, I'm calling it art therapy in all ways. Oh my gosh. It feels like, (laughs) you feel like the art therapy yogi to me. (laughs) It's like, oh, wise one, tell us more. (laughs) I love it. I think I I will take it (laughs) somewhere about that. So do you, are you kind of integrative, would you say, like, like person-centered to the point where you draw from like different theories or or ways of practicing to suit the person? Or is it, I just get this Mm. sense of, you know, kind of like that holistic, I just feel when you're talking then, I just feel like it's not for you this really rigid thing it's like so expressive and fluid but it's also got a container around it being kind of you the therapist um I don't know I feel like I'm gone on a thank you no thank you about the way you were speaking then I thought hmm yeah because I feel like it's so good because in grad school I'm like I want to pull from this theory this theory this theory this theory and the professors were like people aren't gonna like that like narrow narrow your focus but I guess, like, I guess, like, each kind of theory that I practice from is so broad in itself. So, like, 
feministic approach is so broad in itself. Person-centered is very broad. Trauma-informed is also very broad. So those are like my main three that I stick with, but yeah, definitely like pull from other theories too, depending on what they need. Can you explain a bit about each of those? Like, can you give me three more elevator pitches? (laughs) (laughs) You are getting put to work today. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, client-centered is just making sure that the client is always at the center of everything and making sure like my shit is out of the way. And so for me, that's constantly doing self-work. That's not just in a session using that theory. For me, again, it's extending into all parts of my life to make sure that I'm truly just showing up for my client, which is brutal. And we cry a lot, just so if anyone is questioning this field. (laughs) It's like, I feel like we're speaking to those like art therapists that are, well, anyone at any stage, but especially when you're just out of grad school and, and, and the master's or whatever you've done. It's like, you will cry and that's okay. <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> you will cry. Not, you will find like the most bizarre places that you're crying. Like I was on public transit one time and I was like, I'm not even ashamed of this anymore. It's happening. The train has left the station in every way. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. So how yeah, about the other so two? Then, yeah. So feministic. So like f- feminism itself has evolved so much over time. And there keeps becoming like new and new waves of it. So when I say that, a lot of people are like, oh, she doesn't shave her pits and she burns bras. (laughs) (laughs) Which she also does, but that's not the main thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I practice from like a fifth wave um, lens of feminism. So that just means like, yes, you are for women's equality, but you're also for equality of everyone and standing alongside of them and also taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture. So the system that's really broken and how can you be a part of fixing that instead of just like sitting back and being like, yeah, that sucks. That really sucks. But like, okay, but what are we going to do? What ways can we use art therapy as activism and social activism? Like it's the best. I remember I was like harping about this so much in one of the groups I was leading And people were like, I don't get social justice. Like, I don't get it. And then there was like the Black Lives Matter rally. And so I I took the day off work because I was like, I'm going. This is like, I'm something very close to my heart. And so I was down there and I happened to see one of my clients. And I will never forget, she came up to me and she was like, Jen, is this social activism? And I was like, yes. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting good. you say that because that's a big like module on my training program was how art therapy has a place in social activism and social justice, and mm. it was huge like discussions and debate series about that because a lot mm. of people felt it was a huge part of their existence outside of the therapy room and inside of it that they had that um, yeah that that was in their minds in the work and kind of in their lives generally and how it all kind of fed each other and stuff. So that's really interesting that you that's sort of this pillar of your approach. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then trauma informed. So I'm not specifically trauma trained. So there's like a step before that kind of like adjacent to it where it's trauma informed. And so I have a lot of training in that. And it's just, again, looking at the whole picture, all pieces, not, not just the here and now, but also how did the system impact this? How did your family impact this? How did society, like all of these other things, like you're constantly taking a step back and looking at bigger picture, other pieces, influences, patterns, et cetera, et cetera. I love that because the more people I work with, especially, I'll explain it a bit in a minute, but you, it's never just that individual in the room with you, is it? It's all of their systems. Mm-hmm. It's all of their kind of what they're connected to, where their roots are and or, totally. or where the kind of the absence of, of system is so much around the individual. I think treating something in silo often, not treating, but, you know, working with yeah, someone yeah. In, in silo doesn't often have the broad impact that you want it to have or the, or the individual wants it to have um, without thinking about what they're connected to and exploring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, what are your kind of like frameworks that you practice through or do you have any? Yeah, so I feel like... I trained in a really sort of, in England, the goldsmith's way is really known because it's psychodynamic psychotherapy. So we have roots in psychoanalysis. Mm. So it's very Freudian. It's very kind of drawing from psychoanalysis, but not 
as intense. Obviously, I wouldn't have like the full couch and be sat behind the person out of sight and see them like five times a week and and pick their unconscious and make all these diagnoses. It's not intense actual psychoanalysis, yeah, but it's got yeah. that um, focus in the relationship. So in our art therapy, sort of psychodynamic art therapy, it's thinking about the connection between the therapist, the client and the artwork and that sort of triangular relationship. Mm. It's also thinking about like transference and counter-transference. So if I'm in a session with a client, um, they might have lost a child, for example. So this is a, a definition of transference. So they okay. might have lost a child and they're looking to me for that kind of deep love and affection that's kind of absent from their life now. And everything that I can offer them as a therapist is never going to feel enough. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be a disappointment to them. So they've kind of projected onto me what they're kind of what they're seeking, what they want, and I can't give them and the, give them it. And the resulting impact can doesn't mean it always does, but it can result in that, right? Yeah. So the opposite of that, so the counter transference might mean that in that situation where I can feel that being transferred to me or something being transferred to me or projected onto me. As a therapist, I might feel kind of, not coerced, but maybe that's too strong a word, but might feel like I'm sort of needing to do something that doesn't feel right. Or Mm. I I want to kind of give that love that's more than the boundaries will let me. Or I just, it might, I might feel misunderstood at times. So that my counter-transference is kind of how I experience that initial projection and how I respond. Yeah. I really hope because that's, that's one of those things that I always get really panicky about. That someone will mess, listen to this and be like, that was all over the place and horrific. But no. I'm trying to make it sort of understandable. So so can I like offer something that I heard in that? Please do. While I just like, swallow my vomit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. It was so on point. And I feel like I always get those two mixed up to like transference and counter-transference. And I feel the same way. And I'm like, someone's going to call me on this. But I think like it really comes down to trusting your gut instincts and trusting the Mm. sensations that are coming up for you Mm. that aren't yours. This is it. It's, it's a process. I think, well, it's a lifelong process of kind of working in that. And I think, so I trained in this really sort of traditional, not traditional, but you know, it's, it's a very kind of particular sort of structure. Mm -hmm. And there was definitely spaces for us to explore kind of alternatives and thinking about the types of work but you know three years part-time sounds like a lot but it's not as you know like to actually even unpick a a tiny corner so most programs um for those of you that aren't trained who are listening will have like some kind of you know format or particular focus or particular theorist that will kind of frame the work um so I felt kind of let me just check one more thing yeah so I think Another sort of important point to mention before I move on, um, in terms of like psychodynamic work, it's that kind of looking to the space and the making of the artwork and seeing kind of what is revealed from the unconscious. Um, so there's kind of working with kind of what's potentially not at the surface for someone. Mm-hmm. And as the work is made sort of for them when they feel safe and that relationship you know, being really important and building that trust and rapport so that something that may be kind of beneath or bigger or harder to access can can come to the surface for the client but ta- or perhaps go from being a picture to being something they can talk about. So, yeah. but I feel to kind of go against, not to go against that, but I feel like four or ish years on from qualifying and sort of having a few different jobs now, I'm very much still defining my approach. I feel like I'm in this interesting stage at the moment where I'm really, I'm interested in this gap between being a collage artist and being Mm. an art therapist and how some of my work is, is placing me in between those two professions. And this is like in between space that I just don't quite, I don't quite understand what it is. I'm thinking about doing some research about it because this is sort of in between yeah it's it's I'm interested in that and I did one of my placements in a therapeutic community where you're both roles where you're kind of Mm -hmm. making and teaching art to an extent or at least enabling someone to grow their skills whilst also being an art therapist and having you know people that you care for and connect with individually too so 
I'm curious about that. So at the moment, I feel like my psychodynamic work, some components of that are still really real for me in terms of, I think, relationship-wise. Yeah. That feels very consistent, but I feel like I'm having an exploration of where my role actually is at the moment, which is yeah. blowing my mind. <laughs> and I think if there's anyone that's considering the field of art therapy or just coming out of the field or coming out of school, this is something that you and I talk about extensively is like, there are these gaps where you can just flow into because like, that's the one really positive thing about art therapy being still up and coming is we get to be so flexible with who we want to be in this field. It's not like, okay, so you became a lawyer. Now you work as a lawyer. That's it. Whatever. There's some flexibility in that, but like really with art therapy, it's endless who you can be and what you want to do. And I think this is where, so the elevator pitches at the beginning are really helpful, I think, because that kind of helps us spread an understanding of what we do. Yeah. But underneath, there's so many like different ways of practicing that I think as I'm moving through sort of different jobs, I'm, I'm learning as I go and it's making it more complex and more exciting with every kind of breath and every kind of step, because I think, like you say, there are so, there's some really sort of more established ways of doing, Mm -hmm. you know, one-to-one therapy. And then there's other ways that are still growing and being explored and being understood. And I read somewhere in this book, Art Therapy by David Edwards. There's one line that I remember reading quite early on in my um, training it's like there's two parallel strands. So art is therapy and art psychotherapy. Um, and the first of those of these approaches emphasizes the healing potential of art, whereas the second stresses the importance of the therapeutic relationship established between the art therapist, the art, mm. the client, and the artwork. And that's comparing um Adrian Hill, who kind of advocated for art as therapy, and Margaret Naumberg, I think that's how you pronounce it, <gasps> yes. who's art in therapy. And it doesn't make my sort of understanding it much better because I feel like I'm in between both of those things. But that's quite often what I find I'm explaining to people is that colouring books are therapeutic for you if you find that therapeutic. That's not what we train for three years to do. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of people that are like, oh, so colouring books? Like I have an art therapy colouring book. Mm. I'm like, yes. I'll tell you what. I think I can't remember um, who's. I think it was my dad, but I don't want to like name and shame him in case it was somebody else. <laughs> I think it sounds like something he would do, but um, it might have been someone I can't remember. Sent me like a picture of art therapy, like book, like magazines they'd seen in a shop, and being like, "Haha, you could have saved yourself like fifteen grand or something." <gasps> and I'm pretty sure that like either my dad sent that to me, and my response was, "Ha ha." Don't you mean you could have saved yourself 15 grand? Because <laughs> he like helped me help me pay for school. Um, or I told him the story that someone had sent me that and he laughed and I was like, well, joke's on you. <laughs> but um, hashtag I'll pay back. But um, yeah, I just it's just so funny that that's how we're summed up so much of the time. So I think that's like uh, another myth to bust is that it's yes. not it's not about if you're actually seeing a qualified art therapist for art therapy you'll be in a room with a like a clinical practitioner who has been trained to be with you and hold the space for you. You hear that phrase all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you want to like explain that for people that might not, we sort of throw it around as a term. Yeah. But like holding like, yeah, space. Yeah. Kind of what that means. Yeah. Sorry. I, I don't know if you can boom. see. No, it, <laughs> it's totally okay. Um, I don't know if you can see, but my cat just jumped off. So. Oh my gosh. What's your opinion, Kitty? <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Anyways, um, so holding space is having this safe container for a client where there's absolutely no judgment, no shame, and there's this space to have conversations about literally anything and everything and to process it, to heal, to grow, but also we are the container as well as like 
the room is the container, maybe the office building is a container, but holding that space is like us also witnessing that. And we talk about that a lot in therapy is that that is the biggest thing is being vulnerable in front of someone and it being received, held without judgment. So like, I need to draw a picture about this. (laughs) I'm picturing that exchange. So like, if you think of say like this color. So like your words are the color blue and they're coming out into the space. And instead of like me holding them for you and being like, blue kind of sucks. I want this to be purple and like changing the words to be purple and putting them back into that space. We're just holding those, those colored words there. We're being curious. We're reflecting back to you. We're hearing you without judgment. So hopefully that makes more sense. I don't know. That's how my brain works. I'm like, I need the visual. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our therapist. No, I love it because it is about, I think, helping people understand. I think it's very rare in your life that you have a space where you are completely seen Mm, and respected, valued and believed. Yes, I was just going to say believed. And not because you and even as trained therapists, like there's a reason we don't treat our own families uh, or work with our own families because you can't have that approach to people that you're connected with and close so so many of the people in our lives that are our confidants or the people we talk to um and share things with have a connection to us that sort of can get in the way of that Mm um can be really supportive and amazing and it's great to have people you can confide in and and be with but the therapy space is different in that the you're sort of walking into I always think of it as like a bubble you're sort of walking into this atmosphere yeah um, and we create it and we build it and we walk through it And yeah, witnessing, like having someone watch and be alongside you in your process and properly listen to you and reflect back and remember things that you've said and grow, watch you grow and who wants to sort of be along for for the ride, you know. And if you decide not to come one week or you get angry at us one week, we won't ditch you. Mm -hmm. Um, We will come back and we will think about it and we'll you know, we won't sort of abandon you. There'll be conversation, you're, all of that stuff. That That's what I think makes it different and makes the space like, I think atmosphere works for me, that word. Yeah, um, I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So I think there's definitely a lot of potential for where art therapy can go. Yeah. But I just sort of, I have this really kind of deep feeling in my stomach that I just want to encourage art therapists or people that are thinking about training or people that are already trained and now they're out Mm -hmm. and the real world's hit them and they're like, what the heck is this? Um, (laughs) That your process of becoming who you are as a therapist is yours. Yeah. And I feel that's, I feel that's for someone, whoever that is. I just, it's yours. Just like grow into it. I'm -hmm. still growing into mine. I've working in prisons has, has unlodged so much of, or, it's it's unlocked so many things I've had to think about because the work mm. that I was trained in isn't doesn't feel like it translates perfectly there. Totally. And being an art therapy, being an art teacher doesn't feel like it totally translates there. There's something in between of this therapeutic connect therapeutic connected space that is creative between artist and art therapist that really works in prison. Mm. And yeah. that's what I think is thrown me off course because I'm like whoa who am I because this is what the people need so I need to be that what is that yeah yeah I feel like I just went in a rabbit hole sorry (laughs) no you're like this play-doh that's being kind of molded and smushed into these other places yeah figuring it out maybe that's where we connect there's like a person-centered thing of knowing more and more who your client group is and then learning more and more what they want and trying to provide that in the best way. I love that. I love that. Cause it's kind of like a clause <laughs> in there or something, some sort of loophole to this like contract of like, you must label yourself, but it's like, okay. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Within those parameters, yeah. let, watch me. <laughs> Basically, if you love art and you love people, being an art therapist is a great profession. Yeah. Um, because I feel like even as a collage artist in the workshops that I do in the community that are you know not art therapy they are art sessional workshops where I teach um my art therapy training helps me so much in those spaces Mm. because 
I can think about the group and how people are interacting, how people are connecting, how we always have a walk around and we look at people's art. We always have that space. I never used to do that before I trained where I'd make a point of allocating a good section of time for us to share the work and think about it and see what people, and I don't lead that. People just, it's amazing what happens. People over this course of three hours just become so connected through the artwork and how Mm. they speak to each other. It's beautiful. And I can think about, yeah, the roles that people are playing, who's dominating too much, who's not dominate, who's not in enough. How can I rethink about, you know, bringing people back in? And it's all of that thought process from the training and sort of the group totally. theory. Totally. It's, um, it's changed the game. So if you're an art teacher um, and you're thinking about art therapy training, but you're not sure what comes afterwards, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, totally. Like, it's so wild that we get a make these things up and do them for a living. Like I was walking to my office the other day and I was like, I'm being paid to do this and I love it. <laughs> I tell you what, tell everyone a bit about all the, just before we get into some of our own artwork, maybe. Yeah. Tell everyone a bit about some of the, you've working with loads of different client groups at the moment, I feel. Um, and yes. lots Because yeah. I'm quite niche in that I'm really like prison heavy these days, but I feel mm. like you your kind of client groups really suit your approach. So yeah, tell us a bit about that. Thank you. Um, it's so random. So even last night I went for dinner with some friends and I am doing an art therapy workshop for mm. a bridal shower next weekend. Love it. I and love so that. this girl and I, right? Like we used to work together. And so she like knows I'm an art therapist and she like, she just knows me. And she was like, this would be so perfect to fit for my friend. And like, we're so over strippers. So let's do something different. Cool. And I was like, that is amazing. I love that. And this is the thing is I want to get this out there more so people can be creative like this. Like it is super flexible, like kind of molding into those different places. I love it. So I'm doing just a variety of workshops. And then I'm also doing another workshop um, out in British Columbia that's also including some spiritual work. So like womb activation and sound healing and then art therapy in it to kind of wrap it all together and tie it up nicely. And then I have a contract actually with Answer Society and they work with um, sex workers and uh, I can't, sorry, forgive me. I think it's erotic professionals, I think is like the correct term for it. So anyone in that community, they just got this amazing, amazing pilot project going and like funding from the government. And they were like, yes, we would love to have art therapy a part of this. And so I'm running some online art studio groups just to kind of like test the waters out and see how that goes. Um, that's all I can think of right now. What that's am I missing? Cool. Well, you do individual <laughs> work too, right? So you do yeah. you work with like a range of yeah, because art therapy, I like you've highlighted that really well. It can be individuals, it can be groups, it can be online, it can mm. be kind of short-term, art, even arts-based or art therapy-informed yeah. um, kind of spaces. With I do some of that with teams and organizations. So yeah. kind of it's a set, you know, four sessions. It's not an open-ended group. It's working yes. through kind of burnout at work with an art therapy-based yeah. approach or whatever. Um so there's quite a totally. few ways you can be entrepreneurial about it, right? I forgot. I'm also with um, the Alzheimer's Society doing that. So thank you Amazing. for reminding me. <laughs> no, I love it because you've got a really sort of broad range because I don't do, I do sort of individual less and less. I'm very like group based. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love that you've got that strand of your practice too. That's really cool. Yeah. I would love to like just focus individuals down to three days a week and leave all the space open for collaboration and groups. Cause I'm like you, like I love, I love groups. Like obviously I love individual and one-on-one, but there's just something special about a group in whatever capacity it is. It changes too. I think the way you engage with your therapeutic profession changes. Mm. And I would love it if different therapists kind of listened and engaged with us with this sort of podcast journey because I love talking to other people about their experiences of of growing into their sort of big boy therapist pants you know yes yeah (laughs) totally yeah it's a bit of a journey right totally I hope people are like sending us their stories and we can start reading them out or if they want to come on the show one day or whatever just like getting a sense of the elevator pitch and then all the kind of roots but underneath the tree mm. where are all intersecting and all these different sort of directions it'd be really cool to get a sense of that from people okay so that's like the perfect segue then do it okay so one I really really want us to acknowledge the kind of founding women 
of art therapy. Yeah. I'm not, so I'm not sure if like where you're at, if our founders are like the art therapy founders of like art therapy all over the world, or if it's different in the UK. Mm. So I'm assuming Give you would know your... the same name. Okay. So in my research and I had to dig back through my old, um, my old textbooks and notebooks from grad school, but the mothers of art therapy, the co- like the really core women that, you know, walked before we could run, so to speak, are Margaret Nomberg, Edith Kramer, Hannah, I, t- I get her name wrong all the time. So sorry. Hannah Kiwaska. I'm so sorry. I feel like I couldn't do it any better. So you can tell. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And so, like, I've done her work, like, in grad school, and some of, like, her family work is incredible, like, her directors that she has. And then, of course, Eleanor Ullman. Just, like, lovely, lovely gem. And it's funny because, like, in family art therapy in grad school, we did the assessments for, like, the Ullman, the Ullman assessment, the UPAP, I think it is. And then I'm just going to say Hannah so I don't butcher her name again. We did her stuff. But yeah, it's very much like an assessment. So you do step one, step two, step three, step step four. But honestly, we couldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And I love the the people that kind of, I feel like some of the early work that I've really been interested in is these open art studios that were in the asylums in the UK. Um, oh. So that's the sort, because I love the idea of having that open studio space and people coming in, making art, um, in that really in that sort of therapeutic community way yeah and so all the that's the sort of the work that I cling to because we had all of these kind of you know super intense theorists we did a lot of like you know looking at the roots in Freud and Winnicott right. and Beyond and all of these like yeah therapy um, <laughs> I like some women too and like Melanie Klein object relations and like if anyone if we, we couldn't unpack that in a you know in a session in a one podcast but I just found that as soon as I saw these you know art therapy studios I was like this is a bit of me um Mm. and I'm fascinated by how they could re-emerge in different spaces and I think prisons is the space they're going to be the dream would be to put art therapy like to grow up you know art therapy studios and artist studios in prisons again and like plant them and go in and create them and train up the prisoners to run them and then go and plant them somewhere else yeah. hashtag life that's my life goal just there anyone wants to fund me to do that thanks just give me a call <laughs> <laughs> so should we art yes i feel like that was also your- like the as soon as you said roots i was like it's <laughs> happening picture amazing so <laughs> okay yeah. oh. do you want to go first or do you want me to go i just smashed the microphone go on mm-hmm. no you go <laughs> sorry jacob <laughs> Um, okay. So especially in how we opened our podcast today with, um, like the land acknowledgement and just like offering the moment of silence to the residential schools and stuff, I've been really thinking about like my own cultural heritage and like my own roots. So this podcast is talking about like kind of the roots of art therapy and who we are and what art therapy is, but then it also got me reflecting on what are my own personal roots and where that comes from. And it's so funny. I actually had this really beautiful, watercolor palettes that are from an indigenous company here in Canada and all of the materials are like off their land that they've made this watercolor paint with and so I was like that just feels so good to have like solid foundation built on all of that so beautiful so Mm. oh sorry okay (laughs) let me know if that's like in frame there hold it up a little bit Uh, yeah nice yeah yeah I mean Jacob will put it on the screen but yeah Oh, wow. So there's just like, what I've been thinking about is that we have this solid foundation. So whether it's like the mothers of art therapy or like our Mm. own solid foundation of like our own personal roots, like your cultural roots, my cultural roots, Mm. our own systems, whatever. Mm. Mm. And then I feel like you and I are building this like magical rainbow house Mm. that just has like so much possibility and there's like so much growth around it and taking up so much space and it just feels so fun and also so much gratitude Mm -hmm. literally for the land here in Canada, but like also the land that we're metaphorically building on as art therapists and through this podcast. Um, Amazing. (laughs) I'll just, I'm sorry. I'll be back. I'm just going to throw this in the bin. Hang on. (laughs) Not your work, my work. Um, I did like the most 
I did this collage and I just, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in as you were talking, I felt a sense of how these speak to each other a bit, which I love how yeah. when you're thinking about a theme. So obviously when we make the art, we're thinking about the theme of the episode, um, kind of what is art therapy. And I think... I love that picture that you've brought visually like in front of us, but also when you're talking, I have it in my mind of what's growing and what's becoming. And I think for me, a huge part of my journey is still so much about curiosity and how like I saw this picture with the drum and the way it's just like beating because I feel like I'm definitely as a therapist still in that space of like a foot beating on a drum and on the drum sort of, what's it called? The thing that hits the drum, the pad or something mallet yeah I don't know yeah is the word curiosity and it just feel like for me that's still where I am it's like who are you what are you doing I don't know um because I'm just sort of carving out this new space that I'm semi unsure where it's going how it's gonna be and some people are really into it some people are really not into the creation of new (coughs) spaces because you know tradition and this is kind of real. I feel like I'm I'm just playing that kind of repetitive beat because it's not becoming a melody yet. I'm not sure where it's yeah. going to go. So your house picture really comforted me because I feel like I could do this and I can be a bit lost still in your in your house of possibility. Mm-hmm. So I'm in I'm indoors. You know I I don't know. I felt that when you were speaking. This like brought up so much emotion. So if Aww. you're not watching, I'm definitely crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. But. Like, I just, I, I don't believe that there's any coincidence. Like, I don't, I don't believe in coincidence at all. I believe that everything that happens happens for a reason, either it's like divinely guided or whatever, whatever. This is just like my own personal kind of take on this, but it's so funny that like you, your image this week was this drum because I, I just did um, a shamanic womb healing activation and in a year's time, I'm going to be able to teach this, but right now I'm able to offer it as like a healing and in the training, um, a drum is like very, very important in the womb healing and in this shamanic work. And there's something about the drum that represents kind of that heartbeat. And it's like when you're in the womb with your mother and having that connection. So it's this bigger connection and this bigger sense of healing so that's I was like I just can't (laughs) and it just like stop that's too good I feel like don't make me cry (laughs) (laughs) and I think just like the vigil I went to on Canada Day too Mm. it's just like put the drum and like the the importance and like the power around the healing of the drum, like the drum medicine just hit so differently when I was at that vigil and like exploring my own cultural stuff and like sitting with my own shame and guilt and sitting with like everything that's come up and, and then that coming forward too, like us sitting in this for other art therapists, but also to like move forward into this house and create this magic house. And it really is like the heartbeat of this project this is like this new life it feels like for me anyways. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's always, I mean, we can never fully unpack what is art therapy in, you know, less than an hour, but, and we can definitely do follow-up <laughs> episodes where we literally like go through a timeline if, if that would be useful. Or yeah. Think yeah. about, I think this could like have part two, part three, part four, but um, just as a snapshot of, of us today, I feel like we've started unwrapping and it's nice that some things kind of come up as we've gone along and um totally I think it's so funny because I highlighted so many things in my book that was so like I was so concerned with getting this right and I think that's an interesting place to sort of wrap up because we're both creating entrepreneurially and creatively new lanes in this profession Mm. and we're trying to pioneer it in a way that's going to stand the test of time or at least in a way that's going to engage new audiences so that we don't either stay where we are or disappear because we're not as evolved or as known as psychologists and OTs and psych and we need that's where we, we want to be we want to be as established and we need to do that by innovating and I think when you're innovating you constantly get panicky that you're well I do <laughs> I'm yeah, getting yeah. I'm getting something wrong or people are going to come against it so it's interesting yeah. that I tried to be technical and then actually this episode's become really 
you've just enabled that as well. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you too. So um, I think it's of, also yeah. go on. Oh, sorry. What were no, you no, no, no. Go on. No, no, go on. Um, I also just wanted to give a reminder too about our Patreon account that we have linked to our video and our podcast yes, now. The wrap, the wrap up spiel begins, and I love it. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and then also we have our our Instagram account, so we will also have snippets of this video on there, plus our art. And then I was going to also add resources um, for Canadians, anyone from North America, if you need. Uh, contact numbers to help process the residential school information that's coming up and any big emotions and some places to donate if you're wanting to donate and help in that kind of way what's the instagram handle on the page i always forget it is our dot art therapy life that's it awesome and then you can follow you can follow me on cut underscore out collage and you at belly eye art therapy all one word and you can find me this evening in the bath with a, a bucket of wine. <laughs> I Processing. love it. No, thank, thank you. I feel like this session, this I feel like this episode has been like such a session mirror. I feel like we've gone mm. through a process of talking and unpacking and feeling emotions. And I thank everyone for listening and just going along with it. Um, it's, yeah, absolutely. Trust the process. Literally trust the process that's the tagline of the podcast and every therapist's life (laughs) trust the process i'm breaking everything um thank you so much jen yeah thank you too and thank you listeners you're all gorgeous and oh my gosh wait to keep talking rubbish for you thank you yeah (laughs) yeah exactly until next time (laughs) okay bye